Oh, my. Can you tell I'm having a little trouble this morning? That's all right. We'll make it through it. I apologize. I'd like to hear the end of that Coach Artur show, though. Yeah, that one's a pretty good one. <laughs> Sounded like, uh, I, I still don't know what his middle name is. Oh, oh, oh well. We'll um, see what we can do to get that maybe to play in its entirety during our show this morning. Anyway, good morning, folks. Welcome. It's a Party Line program on this day of February 15th. That's right. Halfway through the month now. Well, even a little more so, because, uh, what, 28 days in February, except on leap years. This is not one, right? Um, Don't believe so. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, uh, I hope you folks had the opportunity to either listen or go to the um, Ohio University game last night. It was a, a good one. Buffalo, we were hosting, and... um, Nice win, nice win. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little concerned in the beginning, Dave. Uh, my first ever uh, OU Bobcats experience. By the way, thanks for the evening out. It was uh, a wonderful time. Sure. And um, anyway, uh, I was like, man, this is an awfully slow-paced game, and it, it was leaning. You know, the Bulls were kind of, you know, it was only like a handful of points, maybe five points or so. But I was like. Oh, man, here I am. I've done it again. Everywhere I go, I always seem to drag uh, the favored team down whenever I watch or participate in, in, in something like that. And I even kind of forewarned you that the win streak may come to an end there at home. <laughs> but thankfully, uh, their, uh, their talents uh, far, far outweighed uh, my mojo, that, my bad mojo that I bring. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know if it's bad mojo or what, but uh, anyway, um, it all came out well. It was. I was very impressed uh, by uh, – there was a freshman on the team, um, six foot. He was only he was one of the shorter kids. Uh, A.J. Sheldon, I think, was his name out of Dublin. He was very impressive. And then there was a senior, the number two guy. I can't remember. Miller, I think, was his last name. Uh, both those guys were were fairly impressive uh, ball players. I felt. Oh yes, it's it's um, it's really a joy to go to the games. And uh, folks, if you are not inclined to take such things in, uh, or you just don't know that much about them, um, let me let me just encourage you to do so because it is really. Absolutely, and it's you know the you got the the one ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, marching band which do you know how many people have said are there 110 people in that no it's a hundred they give a hundred and ten percent that's where that comes from but anyway uh, the 110 the cheerleaders the dance team uh, there was There's another group there last night that I had not seen before, and I can't remember what the name was, but they were they were another type of dance team. And all these events, and 
thousand dollar half court shot at halftime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Brazilian uh, Ohio University squad was over there. They had the fans, uh, the stands packed over there last night. Yes, indeed. Well, anyway, uh, the end result, of course, in case we didn't mention it, the Bobcats won. All right. Well, let's see here. On this day in history, um, today a free-for-all edition, and once again it's February 15th, and of course the year 2023. In the year 590, that's quite a while ago, Koshrao uh, II, the last great Sassanian king <laughs> is crowned king of Persia. So that that was really a test there. So uh, the the name this is five ninety on this date the year five ninety. Koshrau so K H O S R A U the second. And then they go on to say the last great Sassanian king. I've never heard the word Sassanian before. Well, I guess it hasn't been around since uh, the early 600s, I guess. That's <laughs> so probably a good reason why. Anyway, crowned king of Persia. Um, let's see. Do you have anything to add to that, or no, shall we just no, keep I, going? Yeah, I keep going on that oh, okay. one. Okay. Yeah, there's first couple. I didn't don't have a, really a whole lot to add, but oh my. Once we get deeper in here, I've got a few things to talk about. <laughs> I swear I put my phone on silent. But uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, we then jump up. Golly, twelve hundred years. To the year 1763, when on this very date, Austria, Prussia, and Saxony signed the Treaty of Hubertusburg, Hubertusburg, marking the end of the French and Indian War and the Seven Years' War. On this date in 1989, finally. <laughs> um, the Soviet military occupation of Afghanistan ends. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure a lot of folks that listen, many may not, but many of us uh, kind of recall that. Oh, and, yes. Um, that was a war, Afga Afghanistan, when the Soviet Union was fighting that war. That was a war that was nearly a decade long. I think they fought that for like eight or nine years, but... Um, they actually began the withdrawal of Soviet troops out of Afghanistan in May well, of 1988, May, May 15th, it said, and it took until February 15th, 1989 uh, before... Uh, seven months. Yeah, it took that long to get all their combatants out of uh, Russia. And one thing to maybe note about that is... Uh, the uh, withdrawal by the USSR from the Afghan war began soon after Mikhail Gorbachev began as uh, Secretary General of the uh, Central Committee. So he, he made a, a lot of big changes in Russia, that's for sure. During that time, 
we had an exchange student from Afghanistan living in our home. And he, um, of course, it was uh, on his mind a lot. His home and what Absolutely. his family and everything. And he was attending Ohio University. All right. Let's see here. In the year 2001, on this very date, the first draft of the complete human genome is published in the journal titled Nature. You know, the interesting and unique thing about, about this, if you, if you don't know what the genome is and, and what this absolutely means is, is um, basically the human gene was entirely mapped um, and the way that this was achieved is that uh, basically scientists, biologists from all over the world, every nation, every continent, every, every aspect of that all worked on mapping that. And, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the pe you know, they, they really concentrated on this and they were able to actually, uh, figure out, uh, basically the entire gene structure, what each, uh, each little thing in there does and how, how, how it works. And of course, since that time, it's been 20 years. I'm sure that there's been a lot of gene manipulation and at least uh, trials and things like that. So it'll be interesting what kind of advancements may eventually and have already come out of the knowledge of, of this, honestly. I mean, to us as the, the hum, you know, the, the normal lay person, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it could mean more to, uh, people in the future you know uh, uh, especially you know if you can pick what color hair your kid has or if it's got curly hair or, or you know how tall it's going to be or something like that you know really they're saying that could be possible you know uh, once you get to this point you know um, they don't know the limitations of it I mean you, you don't you never know the limitations of science and that's I guess that's what experimentation and studies and all that is all about hmm. <laughs> Not saying I, 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 you know, there's something about um, that 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 troubles me. It, it is scary. I mean, it, it goes I mean, it, and it goes back to the discussion that we were talking about the other day about Dolly the sheep and the cloning aspect of things. If you if you think about that too, I mean, I want um, I want to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, the color of hair, the color of eyes, the the, um, the their physical stature, everything. But yeah. some of that, of course, don't know until they grow. But, right. Um, and, you know, I have to think, you know, as much as genes dictate a lot of things, um, environment uh, has as oh much my. or more than anything to do with the development of what these genes actually achieve and what they do, you know. Yeah, maybe not so much with appearance, but certainly with personality and mm -hmm. intelligence absolutely yeah well i'm glad um, the genome can't particularly control everything <laughs> i guess okay the next item is um on this date in 2003 just two years later after the last one we spoke about an estimated 6 to 11 million people around the world take to the streets to protest against war with Iraq. Yeah, and the significant thing about this, obviously the United States at the center of this controversy, but 
Um, one of the significant things about this, other than that, is the fact that there were uh, it set Guinness Book of World Records uh, uh, attendance records as far as what um, protest and um, I don't want to call them riots, but protest uh, what they what they achieved. I mean, in Rome, it involved. They, they said there were three million people in uh, in, in Rome alone that protested which made a uh, uh, Guinness World Book a record as the largest anti-war rally in history mm. but uh, as far as the background of it, it, it in 2000 let's just put a reference to it of some kind there's about three million people who live in all of Columbus about three million people are a little more than that in the state of West Virginia <laughs> really yeah well anyway so I mean can you imagine that size of crowd objecting to something that would be kind of tough yeah yeah i'm sorry i interrupted you no but uh, basically what it all began and what it all stems from is uh, the united states began to argue the necessity of invading iraq um it, it began with a speech by President George Bush uh, in George W. Bush, by the way, in the United Nations General Assembly uh, on September 12, 2002, which he argued that the Iraqi government of Saddam Hussein was violating UN resolutions primarily on weapons of mass destruction and that the and that necessitated action. Uh, anti anti-war groups uh, worldwide organized public protest. Um, and that, that's what uh, they organized that the, the weekend of February 15th. So February 15th and February 16th, uh, nations, I believe, I think about everybody but China participated in that. And then they said that even though China itself didn't participate and, and, and do that, there were small sectors of uh, groups of foreign exchange people either were working there going to school whatever the case may be uh they they did do some uh protesting but um yeah that was uh, a pretty big thing and then you know the end result obviously was that uh it went on anyway <laughs> yeah yeah isn't that always the case yeah all right well let's uh, do our birthdays as we customarily do um let's see the first one is that of ernest shackleton now, let me make sure I'm saying that right. Yes, I think so. Shackleton. S-H-A-C-K-L-E-T-O-N. He was born on this date in 1874. He died in 1922. Now, history is not my strong suit. Uh, some would say I don't have one. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But, but um, in any case, I, I'm always... Glad you're here, well, Ernest Shackleton. So, okay, I'm sure you, as a, a as a young man, you probably read books or knew of books and explore type books. I mean, I was a type person. I like to read books about you know Jack London and things like that. You know uh, the the Jack. But anyway, um, he was one of the well known figures of what they called the heroic age of Antarctic exploration. He was an explorer. He was a British explorer, actually, uh, of Anglo-Irish uh, uh, descent. But uh, anyway, he uh, he led uh, many expeditions uh, to the Antarctic, and uh, 
basically discovered things. Uh, he, ra- I see. I, I believe there was a, a race. He was a part of the race to the South Pole, mm. um, and also Imperial Transatlantic uh, a- Antarctic expeditions. So you know, I mean, he was one of those guys when it came to ice and being real cold. <laughs> for some reason, he he, liked fl- it. he flourished very well in it. I guess, yeah. There was um, a gentleman who was the father of a friend in um, as I was growing up, who was also um, I think his last name was Goldthwaite, and um, he was. Uh, really well-known worldwide for his knowledge of Antarctica and was a professor at Ohio State. Hmm. Anyway, well, Ernest Shackleton, um, one more time, was a uh, Antarctic Antarctic explorer. Yes. Okay. Um, Celebrating um, a 28th birthday today this is someone who's still alive mm-hmm. megan the stallion megan the stallion um she's one of the newcomers she uh she's one of the you know she's utilized maybe not so much the radio industry to get to where she's gotten but social media has been one of her big taglines she's won uh billboard uh she's been on the billboard chart she's won uh is she an uh, entertainer yeah yeah, she's a she's actually a female rapper. Uh, oh, a singer. Yeah, okay. she's a female rapper, and she's best known for her freestyle. If you know what that is, I'm sure you do. Freestyle mm. is basically where you just uh, you have a subject or a topic or you know an issue, or whatever you know, and you just start and you just lay it down right there. It's it's kind of like it's 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 really it's actually kind of poetic. Um, uh, you know, it's it's associated. You know, you, they have like a beat line um, with music, and and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you hear people freestyle without any music or anything. It's just basically, it's kind of poetry. Is basically what it boils down to, a form of poetry. Well, um, today's her birthday. Twenty eight years old. Okay, now two that are uh, gone. Our last two here, Galileo. Galilei, right? Yeah. Was his uh, actual last name, but no wonder they only said Galileo. <laughs> well, it was Galileo di, di Vincenzo Bonatuate de Galilei. No, no way. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was his full name. So shortened simply to Galilei, uh, Galileo <laughs> Galilei. <laughs> well, anyway, he was born on this date in 1564. He died in 1642. Now, um, astronomy, right? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, an astronomer, um, and he was, uh, you know, not only in uh, physics as well. He was very uh, relative in physics and and helped broaden the, I guess, studies of that. But uh, speed, velocity, gravity, free fall, uh, the principle of relativity, inertia, uh, projectile motion, uh, pendulums, wow. things like that. I mean, everything that we use in life, I mean, even you know, young kids are taught, in, in, in a sense, uh, these things through baseball and sports and different things like that, you know, whenever you're teaching. I mean, these are things that <laughs> we utilize and incorporate in our life every day. And, 
And though, you know, he, you know, we may have done that before that, he actually figured out uh, how to make that stuff work, you know, as far as maybe being able to progress it, you know, uh, catapults and things like that, how they worked and why they worked and how you can make them work better and, and things like that. So a very, very important scientist, I believe, in history. Well, I've heard of him many times. Okay, uh, in in terms of our last uh, for our famous birthdays, <clears throat> Susan B. Anthony, who was uh, born on this date in 1820, she li- uh, she lived until 1906. Now, Susan B. Anthony, I mean, we all kind of I think know the the, the half-hearted story. You know, she was an anti-slavery part of the anti-slavery movement. Uh, more probably known. Uh, in uh, uh, her work for women's rights, I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, I think as impressive as Susan Anthony was, um, her father may have been more impressive to me, Dave, um, on the level that what he, uh, how he um, raised his children, not only his daughter Susan, but his children in, in general, um, I'm not sure I know this story. Well, uh, her father was also an abolitionist, and uh, he was a temperance advocate. But anyway, more important, he was a Quaker, uh, but he married a Baptist woman. Uh, The uh, Quaker church basically shunned him and, uh, you know, uh, rebuked him, basically, for marrying a non-Quaker woman. Uh, but he still attended uh, Quaker services and meetings, even though he wasn't uh, uh, a Quaker at that particular point, I guess you could say. But it kind of fueled his radical uh, beliefs. Are you saying the Quaker church rejected him? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, huh. And anyway, um, her mom was a Baptist, and she kind of helped you know, level things out as far as what the, uh, you know, the Quaker way of life and the bat you know they kind of met in the middle there but the father actually encouraged all his children even the girls and boys to be self-supporting teaching them business principles and giving them responsibilities at an early age and uh this kind of you know um and and inspired susan to do the things that she did and uh, uh she made her voice very uh well heard there's no doubt about it and she's another very influential person in history that i think uh, helped get a lot of wheels turning she was she was uh, uh arrested for illegally voting as a woman uh just so many things that she did and even her sister was uh, uh an activist as well um and uh you know they fought all the way through their entire life Let's turn our attention to uh, two famous deaths that occurred on this date. And um, I will need your help. Uh, the first one is H.H. H. Asquith. A-S-Q-U-I-T-H. He was born in 1852. He died on this date in 1928. Um if you follow British history and Parliament and things like that, you know, uh, how they govern themselves over there, H.H. H. Asquith um, was kind of a, an influential person in, in that, uh, a British statesman uh, and Liberal Party politician who served as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 1908 to 1916. Uh, I think more important uh, that 
he was the last liberal prime minister to command a majority government and the most recent liberal to have served as leader of the opposition. Hmm. So, um, you know, that uh, it sounds like that uh, British politics have certainly changed since uh, he, he was a politician, but uh, he for, uh, formed a coalition government um, and uh, did a few other things. He also was, I think, uh, prime minister during World War One, if memory serves me correct. And... Um Boy, I hope I'm not about to embarrass myself. The country that he was keenly involved with was? Great Britain. Okay. Yeah. I I had a hunch, but I wasn't (laughs) sure. And the last one is that of Kevin Smith, who was born in 1963 but died on this date in 2002. Now, he may not... uh, probably ring as many bells for you but maybe folks of my generation uh maybe a little more so he was actually a wait a minute well i mean i know there's only a few years between us but television and entertainment wise you were out in hawaii enjoying the great things that go on and all that kind of stuff but uh this this uh during the, I think but it was I'm the eighty. Older than you. <laughs> well, yeah, this the shows that he was on is why uh, oh, this okay. guy kind. Because of, whenever you first said it, uh, it didn't ring any bells to me. But once I read the bi- his biography, it started ringing a lot of bells. Now he was a New Zealand actor, musician. But what we would know him for, or uh, people here in the United States, I think, as Greek god of war Ares in the TV series Hercules, uh, The Legendary Journeys. Now, did you watch that show much? No, sir. <laughs> now, that's why I said Now that. I understand. <laughs> that's why I said was that. This, was this uh, with live actors, or was it, um, uh, what do you call it, um, animation? or? What? It was live actor. Okay. Um, it, was, it was a fantasy series, basically. Okay. It was kind of hokey, really, but I was one of those that got trapped into watching it sure. like every Sunday night or whatever, but... Uh, it, Xena Warrior Princess. Uh, you might you might remember Xena Warrior Princess. She was kind of popular. He was a part of that, and also part of uh, Young Hercules. Um, he he died. I don't know how he died, but it says he died at a film studio in China, whenever he passed away in two thousand two. Hmm. Um, you know, when we think back uh, over the years of um, well known. I guess I'll say African American um, entertainers. Uh, there's one that I had the, um, the opportunity to uh, perform with on three occasions. It was a weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. It was Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was unaware. But there's a hint here in an article I have that he, in fact, struggled with racism. Also, he was he was not exempt from that. Uh, oh, you got to think about the time. I mean, um, that was a time that um, you couldn't. I don't think any any 
I don't I don't think any person could deny the fact that there was racism in our and extreme racism in our country at that particular time especially and and you know especially with uh, Martin Luther King the the, the movements right. that were going on and things like that but one of the, you know I mean I think one of the the neat and peculiar things about that is Nat King Cole really rose above it. Yes. Um, That is one of the most impressive things that I think I can say about that because, I mean, during one of the most controversial times in history, not only was he performing great music, but, I mean, it was across all genres of music. Uh, every Everyone bought, everyone listened to Nat King Cole music. Everyone watched the Nat King Cole show on, what was it, NBC. Uh, he had a variety show. Uh, from 1956 to ni- in 1957, the Nat King Cole show. So, I mean, people, you know, watch that. But I'm sure um, even and, – and that was during a heightened time of, of you know, whenever all the, the, the protests and everything were going on and the movement was happening. So for him to be able to, to, be able to do that, I think, was pretty astonishing. And As a child. I remember my parents, uh, it it was the thing to do. You sat down in front of the TV on whatever given day that was, weekly, and watched the program. And it was classy. Um, And then later to have the opportunity to perform with him a little bit, well, one weekend, um, as a job-dim percussionist, um, it was neat. You know, yeah, you know, and it was great. I mean, he to me, it seemed like you know, on the outside looking in, like you said, it you know, it seemed like he was accepted across all genres, but unfortunately, uh, that was a, a bad time and an ugly time in our history for sure. Well, let's talk about Michigan State, the shooting that occurred up there. Details have emerged, of course, from Monday night's shooting at Michigan State University, where police and sophomores Brian Fraser and Ariel Anderson and junior Alexandria Verner, all from Michigan, were killed. Five others remain in critical condition. The shooter, the police have identified as Anthony McRae who was 43 years of age, lives in Lansing, or was living in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, But at this point, the motive is unclear. As the school of 50,000 sheltered in place, police published an image of the shooter pulled from security cameras, leading to tips just within minutes. He was later found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot. The university claimed that he had no affiliation with the school. He wasn't an employee or anything. Um, the The suspect did plead guilty back in 2019 to a misdemeanor gun charge Police found two notes in the shooter's clothes threatening schools in Ewing, New Jersey, which closed out of caution on Tuesday. The attack occurred a day shy of the fifth anniversary 
of the shooting at a high school in Parkland, Florida, where, if you recall, 17 were killed and 17 others injured. <sighs> sad, sad. Yep, very. Well, inflation. We're jumping around topically. <laughs> Uh, the headline says inflation, and then in parenthesis, slightly cools. Let's see what they have to say. The consumer price index in January fell for the seventh consecutive month to 6.4% year-over-year growth. That's down from 6.5% rise in December but greater than the 6.2% increase economists have predicted. The data, released by the Labor Department yesterday, indicate it may take longer than anticipated for inflation to decrease. Prices increased by one-half of a percent on a month-to-month basis the largest increase in three months, with food at 0.5, gas, like gasoline, at 2.4%, accounting for much of the increase. Core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, rose 0.4% over the month, or 5.6% over the year. Rent, 0.7%, was the largest contributor to the monthly increase. With prices for used cars, medical care, and air travel declining. The inflation rate remains above the Federal Reserve's 2% target, Analysts expect the Fed to continue to deliver quarter-point interest rate hikes at its next two meetings, which would occur in March and then in May. So, add it all together, and they're saying a 4 and 3 quarter to 5% year-end projection. Huh. Well, let's see here. Have you heard of the Marburg? Mm-mm. It is a virus. And I've not heard of it. And I don't... That's not like me because I do these reports in the morning and stuff. But this is the first I recall this word. Health officials have confirmed the first-ever Marburg, that's M-A-R-B-U-R-G, virus outbreak in the Central African nation of Equatorial, uh, Equatorial Guiana, as well as two suspected cases in neighboring Cameroon. At least nine people have died from the Ebola-like virus in Equatorial Guiana, with 16 suspected cases being presently monitored. 
The WHO, that's the World Health Organization, said it is sending medical experts to help stem the outbreak. Well, the Marburg was first discovered in 1967, and instances of it are rather rare, with fewer than 400 lab-confirmed deaths <coughs> on record ever. The lack of widespread outbreaks has prevented an assessment of its mortality rate. Limited reports have seen death rates ranging from 23 to 90%. The biggest known outbreaks of the virus occurred from 1998 to 2000 in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And then again in 2004 and 5 in Angola wherein hundreds of people died. Well, it's something we have to watch. And by the way, there are no approved vaccines or antiviral treatments that exist for it. Hmm. Um, at present, we have over 200 people that have been quarantined in Equatorial Guiana's um, I can't pronounce this next word, province. Um, and then the last bit here, Ebola and Marburg are part of the phylovirus family. And um, you medical folks, you may know what that is. I don't. Dave, I'm scanning through some things here, and I got to say, my foundation is rocked right now after seeing the headline that I just read. It stopped me nearly in my tracks. Or it did stop me in my tracks, I should say. KFC is going to be taking Kentucky Fried Chicken Wings off the menu, Popcorn chicken off the menu, Nashville hot sauce off the menu, strawberry lemonade, and chocolate chip cookies. I think we need to organize <laughs> something about this. I'm a little bit disappointed. <laughs> Why would they do that? Um, I, I, it's a. I guess they're they're trying to like simplify their menu to make order taking more easy for their order takers i guess is what they're saying and, and they're putting out more wraps and things like that too i think i'm yeah i'm sorry that just i i just thought it warranted being noted there that our life is about to change dave <laughs> <laughs> well certainly there are other restaurant chains that offers some of those <laughs> items but uh, you know would colonel sanders approve of this i don't think so i don't think so hey folks uh, let me give you some uh, bright news here um, it is 61 degrees right now here on columbus road it's beautiful it's sunny and it's going to get up to 73 today that's great. Um, you know, if you got some yard work to do, head home a little early, get some of that stuff done. It's um, 
Uh, tomorrow, the high is 66, but then Friday, 37. Oh, my. It's that up and down time of year. But um, 61 right now. And when I drove to work this morning, it was just beautiful. And 73 are high tomorrow. Man. No, our high today. That's that's our high today, they're saying. It's going to get up to. And tomorrow? What's it going to be like tomorrow? 66. 66. I tell you, either day. Although, oh, I just noticed something. Heavy thunderstorms are possible tomorrow. Well, get out and give blood. Uh, I'm not sure. I know there's uh, someone give... Uh, the Red Cross is uh, doing a lot of blood drives around the area. It's a good time to get out right now when the weather's nice. I know they'll be doing it tomorrow. So if you did have plans for outside with the thunderstorms possible, tomorrow might be a good uh, blood-giving day. They'll be going, uh, uh, taking donations from noon until 6 at the Richland United Methodist Church at 60 Pomeroy Road. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you want details on that, you can uh, contact the Red Cross uh, blood.org you can also get a ten dollar gift card from amazon.com and i think they're entering you into a contest to go to like clearwater beach florida or someplace like that if you uh, donate blood uh, here in the month of february as well uh, also something else i think uh, on a local interest that might be noteworthy dave uh, the Athens Farmer, Farmers Market announced that they are looking for three community executive committee board members. They had three openings, um, and let's see, uh, the details on that basically boil down to, to express interests uh, serving on the AFM executive committee, uh, complete a form by March 6th. Uh, plan to attend the AFM spring member meeting at uh, the OSU Extension Center office on march 9th so it's down on west union yeah so get a hold of um, the athens farm market if you want more details about that and uh, they'll be able to uh, put you in the uh, right place also uh, i know that nelsonville's got a uh, pretty uh, healthy meeting going on tonight the city announced nelsonville has uh, uh, their committee city uh, council committee meetings tonight uh, beginning at six uh, and they've got everything, Dave, from police and fire committees, parks and recreation committee meeting tonight, finance committee, uh, let's see, uh, street sweeper committee, uh, their utilities committee, judiciary committee. So basically all the committees will be meeting. If you're a committee member, <laughs> you may want to make sure, or if you know a committee member, make sure that they know tonight is the night. They've got a lot of discussions going on there in the city of Nelson's, Nelsonville. Yeah, I, I don't know how Athens does it now or any other community near us, but during my days on city council, um, which was, I don't know, 12 or so years, um, we had, um, I think the first and third Mondays were full council meetings and then the second and fourth Mondays were your committees. And um, they each had a scheduled time on the clock. And uh, they could lengthen the schedule if there was something that required doing so. But it was, um, I, I found that period of my life very interesting. 
And um, I think we did some good things back then, and the city continues to do more. All right. Let's see here. Um, bum, 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 bum. Nikki Haley becomes the second major candidate to enter the 2024 Republican presidential primary. Um, after former President Donald Trump. Haley was the U.N. ambassador under Trump and former governor of South Carolina. And um, I, I think we mentioned that story a day or two ago. Uh, maybe it was late last week. I don't know. Um, there's a report that we got to look into, but we don't have it in front of us today. But it's entitled America's um, Ranking of the Best Places to Work. And I think they're talking about geographical places. Um, so we'll try to find that and bring it in sometime this week. Um, there's an underwater photography contest that took place. And, um, of course, on the radio, it's hard to show you a picture. <laughs> but um, That's such a lovely picture, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't you, the audience, like this one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work very well. But, you know, we always post them on our website. Um, some of the more interesting ones. Um, let's see. Here's a statement I don't understand. Why artificial intelligence could make dating better but duller. Better but duller. I, I'm going to just choose to ignore that, okay? <laughs> but um, anyway, I, I have no idea what they're trying to get to and don't think I want to. And, and that's all right. We're allowed to take that kind of position once in a while. Absolutely. In the main news, um, the Supreme Court upheld affirmative action back in the 1970s. When they did it, it helped lay the groundwork for the program's demise. That's according to the New York Times. As Archibald Cox sat in a remote office in the Harvard Law School back in 1977, he made a fateful decision. Cox was the former Watergate prosecutor who had been hired to defend universities, the universities use of affirmative action before the Supreme Court, and he was searching for a winning argument. He decided that the solution might involve the idea of diversity. Well, the court's liberal justices would probably agree to uphold affirmative action on the grounds that it could right historical wrongs. But the conservative justice seemed to seemed wary of that idea. To appeal to them, Cox added the argument that racial diversity could prepare students to live in a pluralistic society. Well, his strategy worked. By a one-vote margin in a case known as Bakey, was it? 
B-A-K-K-E. I think so. Anyway, the court endorsed affirmative action, citing diversity as the only acceptable um, justification. Well, the New York Times has uh, published a story recently about this. Um, and uh, I think Emily Basilton uh, wrote Basilon wrote that story just recently. But she said that um, it also laid the groundwork for the potential banning of it by the Supreme Court later this year. So, <coughs> what's coming up? So, um, this is David and Emily in their conversation. They're both reporters for the New York Times. David says, I learned so much from your story, Emily. Tell me if this sounds right. Diversity isn't a persuasive justification to many Americans, which helps explain why affirmative action cannot win a ballot initiative, even in, even in California. People care more about fairness. They believe an equally or more deserving applicant shouldn't be rejected for the amorphous benefits of diversity. Emily says, I'm pretty sure you're right about the argument that's convincing to more people. And I think it's a real problem for defending affirmative action in court. Well, when the Supreme Court took the fairness argument rather off the table, it was like asking universities to fight with one hand be tied behind their backs. Without a rich understanding of why universities were building diverse student bodies, the public isn't likely to see the process as legitimate. Let's add one wrinkle. Research. Research shows that students learn more in diverse groups and employees are more productive. Since the 70s, many people across ideological lines have come to, to see racial diversity as a social good, even if it isn't often obtained. It's the means, whether to allow race-based preferences, well, that remains deeply contested. It's a very deep subject, and um, there just there just isn't an absolutely easy answer. Mm -mm. Oh well. Well, we have about uh, two minutes left in today's program. Anything on your mind over there? Yeah, yeah, one of the things, it's more local uh, uh, with the train derailment that took place up in East Palestine. What is it? P Palestine? Palestine. Yeah, um, that, uh, there's a lot of things going on with that right now. Um, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is calling on Congress to take action. 
uh, following the train derailment. This is what the, uh, the headline says that uh, caused chemicals to spill into the Ohio River yes. and into East Palestine. Uh, they uh, said that the train was not considered highly hazardous material train. Therefore, the railroad was not required to notify anyone in Ohio of what was coming through. Uh, if this is true, I'm told it's true. This is absurd. We need to look at this, DeWine said. Um, so, you know, they're they're becoming um, pretty concerned about, you know, the railway systems. And, you know, I, rightfully so, I think. But, you know, it begins, a lot of questions begin, and I'm sure arguments will, will stem from this as to, you know, the, the product that they were, were transporting, um, something chloride but anyway what it was it was used to make hard plastics and it's something that obviously is shipped quite often um, and in order for things to an industry to take place it's, it's got to be transported some way so you know states start banning the transportation of it <laughs> we could see see a lot of strange things taking place as far as that is concerned so you know th this is about to get interesting i think dave is is what i'm trying to imply so this is something that i'm going to keep a very close eye on in the, in the future the only thing i'll add and it's entirely different is they are still discovering people gasping for air I, I heard that that's that's great i hope they continue to find more after that 7.8 magnitude earthquake and what's the death rate now something like thirty-nine thousand is what i heard this yeah. morning yeah. amazing folks have a marvelous day out there be safe please and uh, enjoy the weather in our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.